Hey kids, Mandy here, and I wanted to personally invite you to join me for Cincinnati Song Initiative's first ever Fellowship of the Song, happening May 20th through 25th. In addition to a week full of amazing concerts, song workshops, and classes, I'll be leading some seriously fun study events on heartwarming topics such as murder ballads and exploring death through music and poetry. Should be a great time! (laughs) You can participate as an auditor, whether you come to Cincinnati in person or join remotely from your comfiest couch. And the best part is that all the week's events will be recorded for unlimited viewing through June 26th. So, what are you waiting for? Head to cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash audit to learn more about this groundbreaking new program for song. And I hope to see you in person or online. And welcome to Follow the Leader with me, your host, Mandy Madrid Sikic. It's been a minute since I released our last episode, but that's all right, because hopefully it's given you the chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, guys, word of mouth is so super helpful in spreading our leader love to all parts of the world. Our analytics show that people are tuning in from places like Finland, Poland, Japan, South Korea, Peru, Greece, Argentina, Bulgaria, Vietnam, Slovakia, Australia. Our listeners are literally all over the globe. So, if you like this podcast and want to be a part of our world domination, please tell your friends. And if you don't, then tell your enemies. Because as I like to say, any publicity is good publicity. Guys, what even is happening? 2020 done us in. But that's why I'm really excited to be here today. To get my mind off the state of the world and distract myself with some leader. So, to help me share some super nerdy knowledge with you today, I have a surprise guest. It's my better half, my stardust soulmate, and fellow sandwich enthusiast, yep, That's right, folks. My husband, Brian Sikic, is in the house. (laughs) It's me. The rap air horn is my MO, for sure. Brian, anything you care to share with our audience of Leader Elite before we get started? Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact. Um, I have had the fortune and privilege of living behind the scenes of the leader nerd world uh and it's been really cool to see uh people of like minds kind of coming together around a topic that is so niche um and it's and it's kind of cool to see um you know the production side of things but then also everything that is sort of floating out there and kind of the energy and the enthusiasm that has sort of been a a reciprocal I don't know. Just just people reaching out and saying how much they actually love um, the stuff that's that's going on. And so I coming from behind the scenes now to the to the forefront of the leader nerd scene. Um, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind just sharing real fast what your experience um, of classical music, like 
what has been your experience with classical music? I took piano lessons from a very young age up until probably 10th, 11th grade. So high school. And then, uh, but most of those years, uh, I was the reluctant musician in our family. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of sandwiched by talent and I... I did not enjoy, I enjoyed the music making part of it, but I did not enjoy the discipline and like the time it took to practice and whatever. So your mom would leave uh, the house. I would do my 45 minute practicing and instead of practicing, I would just watch TV. So um, <laughs> all that being said, I kind of shifted from classical to uh, more like jazz and enjoyed that for a while. And then in college, um, did not keep the instruments going so I did percussion and I did more like um, hand percussion and congas and bongas and um, the cajon which you know I can still play mean cajon little box drum well I mean I haven't really heard you practice I don't I don't time. practice the natural talent <laughs> resides within and is on call at a moment's notice you need you need a cajon player these magic hands will pitter-patter all over the box wow that's that's quite the promise you know we've never thought about doing a collaboration <laughs> yeah, we should do a christmas uh special yeah a little percussion maybe set. maybe you could play some of vinterizer on the cajon yeah so vinterizer inspired percussive so i could do i could do like a percussive um what's it called a, a sound bath and then with yeah. just percussive noises and then we should like do a um uh what's it called inspirational dance um so yeah that was i was very you know i went i went to summer festivals and winter festivals as an audience member because my siblings were always playing in them i was a vocalist so i a vocalist who am i talking about i sang on the street where you live what was it intro to voice class <laughs> anyways i sang tenor first tenor uh and that's actually how i met you was uh we were standing buddies at college choir the chorale even i remember one tour where you uh were playing your russian composer what prokofiev? Was prokofiev yeah you like played that at so many different churches and i thought that you were like just this hot pianist that was like you know <laughs> the best pianist at the school and then somehow little freshy brag guy you know bagged bagged the uh the you, piano you queen. did win your trophy wife i won my trophy you piano did wife. win your trophy wife well done and sir. i've been blessed by your presence every day since <laughs> Well, actually, one of my favorite things is um, after I've been playing a lot of one song, I'll hear you like whistle it from the backyard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how I know I've infiltrated your brain. <laughs> it is true. I've heard uh, an abundance of practicing over the years. And that's actually one thing that, um, funny you should mention it, since you've had this new piano that it has like silent technology, I, I genuinely have missed just hearing that in the background and it's funny because all of whether it was your performances or back in the day like angie's or mikey's like any of their performances i i 100 percent know if mistakes are being made or even just like i know the pieces by heart even though i'm not capable of playing it sometimes actually you will make me more nervous than any other like random person just because i know that you've heard me like struggle with a specific passage mm -hmm. And so I know that I won't be able to like cover up a mistake because you've heard me play it time and time sure. again. Well, it was fascinating when you were in London, I would come over and go to some of your different, um, you know, recitals and whatnot. And I wouldn't be as nervous because 
I hadn't been around you practicing, so I didn't know the pieces as well. Um, but oh, then that's all, so interesting. all the stuff you did with Tyler here, mm-hmm. I knew that stuff backwards and forwards. Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, Vintereza, I've kind of got that unlock. Can do. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll let the audience look forward to our Vintereza's Christmas special with cajon and piano. <laughs> And possible shaker appearance, my little eggs. Oh my gosh! And maybe some tambourine. That that might be kind of nice. Actually, speaking of tambourine, I was classically trained uh, in tambourine. (laughs) You actually Uh, put uh, surf wax around the the rim mm -hmm. of the tambourine, and then use your thumb, and it sort of like skips across the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, there's there's actually quite a bit of technique in. Um, professional well i'll be sure to um call upon your skill should a score ever require um classical tambourine like i said i'm at call i'm ready (laughs) i'm on standby all right well we better get to it so today we are talking about a very special song but before we get to that song there's a discussion i would like to have of the digital age when a composer wanted to get a piece of music out of their jumbly little head and into some sort of hard copy format, she or he had to do it the old-fashioned way with ye old pen and paper. Which honestly seems like it would take so much time and energy for the poor copyist to decipher. I mean, look at all the different ways there are to write a simple treble clef. Right now, I am handing Brian a sheet of treble clefs. Brian, can you remind us what a treble clef is? Oh yeah, it's a key signature, right? Like a... No. (laughs) Oh no, the key signature is what's after the... The treble is like the higher octave, and then the bass clef is the lower octave. Yeah, so essentially treble clef shows us anything that you're going to play above middle C. Remember, percussion. We just we just read you, notes. We don't... You, you know. don't need clefs in percussion. That's true. <laughs> okay, so Brian is holding in his hands a sheet of treble clefs. There are eight different treble clefs on it, each one written pretty differently. So, Brian, can you guess the composer who wrote treble clef number one? Number one? An elegant squiggle. So you're saying I have to pick from my vast memory bank of composers? Vast memory bank. Okay. Uh, Eric Whitaker? (laughs) (laughs) See, like, where did you want this to go, you know? Uh, No, it's Bach. Okay. Number two. Mm. A strange looking S. Schubert? Beethoven. Oh, well. Number three. The quintessential treble clef. Are there any other composers with a B? Brahms? Brahms, yeah, I'm going Brahms. Chopin. Damn. Number four, um, squash treble clef. Prokofiev. Mozart. <laughs> Number five, doesn't even look like a treble clef. I'm going to go with Handel. List. Number six. Oh, wasn't there a Lady Schubert? Perfection. <laughs> There's. I think you're thinking of a Lady Schumann. Clara. Clara yeah, Schumann. Clara, Clara Schumann. Nope, it's Mahler. Number seven, bigger. Perfection. Wagner. Tchaikovsky. Number eight. Doesn't look like any sort of musical scribble I've ever seen. That's the most creative one on the page. Tchaikovsky. I just said Tchaikovsky. That's probably why I just said that. Ooh, what about a what about a, an Italian composer? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I'm onto something here. Uh, uh, Stravinsky. 
Wait, is he even Italian? <laughs> no, but that was a good guess. It's Verdi. Verdi. So okay, that was okay. a fun game, except I like lost. Like, you know, when you're called to draw a pawn for an answer and like your mind goes blank. Yeah. And and the knowledge is there. It's in it's in the little memory mm. banks, but when you're put on the spot. Yeah. You were like, what composers do I know? Mozart? Beethoven. I started actually <laughs> like looking around the room. <laughs> Dear God, there must be a clue. If you want to host your own game of Guess Which Composer Drew the Treble Clef, you can find a link to the manuscript we were looking at in the show notes. Throughout the centuries, some composers have been more notorious than others for their terrible handwriting. Beethoven, for one, was infamous for his terribly messy sketchbooks. And on the other hand of the spectrum, you have Bach, who wrote with an unrivaled mathematical precision. Literally. This manuscript of his has math on it. Did you hand this to me upside down? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> See? <laughs> the math on the page kind of confused me. Isn't that kind of crazy, though? No, I think you did hand it to me the right way. No, I didn't. The math is on the bottom of the page. Yeah. Ah. One manuscript of Mozart's is my favorite. Ever the mischievous little prankster, Mozart drew in a portrait of his favorite student, the singer Barbara Ployer. And look, I'm no art critic, but I don't think it's a particularly flattering likeness. You, you can't actually pick out what's happening there. Yeah. Well, I can kind of see her chin. It's not, it, she's does not look. I gotta say, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not flattering. It's not flattering. Yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> Definitely not. Not a good look. Again, if you want to take a look at um, the manuscript of Bach and the manuscript of Mozart, uh, you'll be able to find those links in the show notes. And then there's Mendelssohn. Okay, Brian, can you tell me what you're looking at? Well, it looks like a full moon overlooking uh, like a river, maybe. You can see the reflection of the moon in the river with some clouds. And some trees in the foreground and the background. And what is all of that painted on? It is painted on his music, on his score, if you will. <laughs> oh, I will. So what Brian is looking at is a picture of an autograph of Mendelssohn's song, Schilflied. We've talked before about how multi-talented Mendelssohn was. In addition to being a musical prodigy, he was also a watercolor painter of some skill. A few weeks back, I discovered that a manuscript exists of Elite by Mendelssohn with something very special in the top left corner. I followed up on a tip on the whereabouts of the manuscript and decided to flip on my recorder while I did some research. Check, check. Okay, and we're recording. So, I am going on to the Bodleian library website the bodleian library is the main research library at oxford university in england because i know that they have a manuscript that i'm looking for the manuscript that brian is currently looking at well he's looking at a copy but you know what i mean mendelson shelfleet library home okay this Website's a little bit overwhelming. Ooh, Ask a Librarian. That sounds like what I need. <laughs> oh, they have a live chat. Okay. All right, here we go. Hi. I, oops. I am, oh my God. Okay, I really should have taken some typing lessons. I am... To spare you the pain of having to listen to me type, 
I asked them if they had the Mendelssohn manuscript I was looking for, and, if so, what they could tell me about it. Um, okay, well, let's see if they get back to me. I didn't have to wait long. Oh! Oh, they just got back to me. You'll need to contact our music department. I'll find you contact details. Oh. Thank you, mysterious, bodily, and live chatter. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. They just sent the contact info. Music at bodleian.ox.ac.uk. I can remember that, right? I couldn't. But once I managed to type it in correctly, I basically copied and pasted my first message to the new addressee with a few alterations. This time I'll make it more professional. Instead of hi, I think I'll say hello. <laughs> okay. Um, sincerely, Mandy Madrid Sikich. Okay. And that is sent. I was cautious about my optimism regarding a response, though. We'll see if anyone... It's back to me because I am not a current member of Oxford University. I am not a current member of the Bodleian Libraries. I am not a former member of the Bodleian Libraries needing to use the libraries. But I am an external inquirer needing information specifically about or held by the Bodleian Libraries. So, we'll see if they get back to me. They did. This was from a few days later. All right, I'm actually kind of impressed because they did get back to me and it only took a couple of days. Okay, Martin, who is the Alfred Brendel Curator of Music at the Bodleian Libraries, he has responded to me. Yay! Uh, he says, Dear Mandy, I attach our brief catalog descriptions of these manuscripts. Shilfleet also features in one of our online exhibitions. And then he sent the, le the link for Shilfleet. And then it actually looks like there is a second manuscript. So what is this second manuscript? He says, both manuscripts belong to the Denek Mendelssohn Collection at the Bodleian, where they can be consulted by appointment by bona fide researchers in the Weston Library. They are occasionally on public display as opportunities arise. If you need any more information, please let me know. Best wishes, Martin. Shout out to Martin Holmes. Thanks so much for getting back to me, Martin, and for filling me in on the details of the Schilfleet manuscript and for alerting me to the fact that there is a second manuscript of a similar nature. So here is what I learned about this manuscript and its second unexpected counterpart. In 1845, Mendelssohn composed the song Schilfleet with text by Niklaus Linau. However, he did not publish it right away. I'm guessing it lingered in his mind, though, because in 1845, while on holiday with his wife near Frankfurt, Mendelssohn wrote out a very meticulous copy of the song. In the top left-hand corner, he crafted an impeccable, nearly impossibly tiny watercolor illustration depicting the first line of the song's text. On the motionless pond rests the moon's lovely gleam. And as Brian noted before, the illustration is a picture of a really silvery moon peeking through 
a gap in the cloud and it's shining on a silvery lake down below. There's really lush trees around it and the water looks very peaceful and serene. It looks... there, there is a person on that far shore, yeah? Is there? Yeah. No? Or are they on a boat? That's, is it a person no, on a boat? No, it's not a boat. It looks like a person standing on the shore. Oh, it's, re it's really so tiny. I can't really quite see. You think that's a person? That's been my impression this whole time. It could just be a tree trunk, but no, I don't think it is. I think it's a person. It's definitely a picture of a, a, a night that I would want to go out and experience. You know, I'd, I would want to feel like the silver moonbeams on my skin and the cool air blowing through my hair and, I don't know, listen to the really quiet water like lapping up against the shore. So Mendelssohn made this manuscript as a present for his friend, Henrietta Kiel, the wife of a Frankfurt wine merchant. Henrietta's son had previously presented Mendelssohn's wife with a drawing, and I'm thinking that the composer delighted in returning the favor with a thoughtful creation of his own. In 2007, this manuscript was acquired by the Bodleian Library, where it joined an autograph of Imvalda, the only other manuscript of Mendelssohn's known to exist that was illustrated by the composer himself. So, to recap, while some composers scritch-scratched manuscripts in a less than legible way, Mendelssohn was busy adorning his scores with miniature watercolor paintings. Mendelssohn did eventually publish Schilfleet as part of his Opus 71 set of songs. The text is incredibly gorgeous and especially poignant when you think about what it must have come to mean after the death of his beloved sister five years later. Here is a translation of the text provided courtesy of Emily Ezust. On the pond, the motionless one, rests the moon's lovely gleam, weaving its pale roses into a green garland of reeds. Deer wander there on the hill, gazing up through the night, Often winged things stir dreamily in the tall reeds. Weeping, I must lower my gaze. Through the depths of my soul pass sweet thoughts of you, like a quiet night prayer. As the song begins, you'll hear that Mendelssohn invokes the water quality that we love so much in his Venetian boat songs from his Songs Without Words. In my mind, I always think of this as another Venetian boat song, but this time with words. The recording that you will hear is from a performance that I gave in London with the incomparable soprano Harriet Burns. The performance was part of a program called Mendelssohn Leader and Letters, directed by Eugene Asti. Harriet is the winner of second prize at the Wigmore Hall Independent Opera International Song Competition and is a recent graduate of the Guild Hall Opera School, graduating with distinction on the Artist Diploma Program in 2020. She is a Samling artist, Oxford Leader Young Artist, and a Britain Peers Young Artist, and was a winner of the 2018 Oxford Leader Young Artist Platform with Michael Pandya. In 2018, Harriet made her Wigmore Hall debut with Graham Johnson in a recital of Schubert Leader. And I am a potato. <laughs> Working with Harriet was one of the highlights of my time in London, and honestly, my heart always flutters a bit when I hear her sing. Working with her on the project was a very special experience, so let's take a listen. Thank you. 
Isn't that just sublime? I'm of the opinion that that particular lead really should be performed more often. It's just, it's an absolute stunner. Yeah, I just think that those words and that setting, it takes me to another world. I think that that's what I really like about it. I just, it's so short. I think, what is it, like two minutes? Um, and I just get swept away into this other, other world that really does feel like it's not a place on earth. It almost feels like this place that exists on a planet somewhere else that I get transported to. I don't know. What were your thoughts on it? Well, first of all, I was just kind of blown away by um, Mendelssohn sort of being like a, uh, like a, a hybrid artist of sorts. It's like, okay, who has the ability to, to craft something that's... Oh, and that's not all he could do. Oh, I'm sure. So like an, an ultimate Renaissance man, classic example of like overachiever. <laughs> Which is awesome. I mean, it, it leaves us with this this one parchment that has like something that's so beautiful that can be turned into so much more beauty by, you know, a pianist and a vocalist. And then also to be able to then stare at this painting or sort of this depiction of what mm -hmm. that song is. Um, you know, I feel like so many artists sometimes can bring their vision to life and then they rely on another artist to then bring that vision to life through a different medium or a different mm -hmm. format. Yeah. And here he's been able to do both. And you're sort of like, okay, well, what is actually more beautiful? Like, yeah. so, so I feel like both of them just complement each other so well. Yeah, I, I do think that's an incredible skill for a musician to be able to bring to life, like the image they have in their head for their composition. Like, oh, mm -hmm. there's so many times I've wished that I could paint the image of not even a song that I've composed, but you know, there's lots of times when I'm playing like a Schubert song or some Beethoven or something. And I have this image that I'm trying to convey to my student and I'm just saying, I wish I could paint you a picture, mm. but alas, I cannot. <laughs> but alas, you're not the painter who paints. <laughs> I am not a painter who paints. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Brian. It was a true pleasure to have you here with me, even though, I have you here with me at all other moments of every other day. <laughs> I am a gift to you. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us here today on Follow the Leader. If you want to buy a print of the Schilfleet manuscript, you can find a link to buy from the Bodleian Library website in the show notes for this episode. Remember to subscribe to Follow the Leader on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. We can be found in all the usual places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And please, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. It really helps boost the podcast's visibility and helps other leader lovers find our work. In addition, you can follow me on Instagram at leadernerd. That's at L-I-E-D-E-R-N-E-R-D. I post lots more leader-related content over there and show up a little more regularly if that's something you like. All right, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Toodles!
If you love this podcast, then you'll love the Song Cycle podcast, also by Cincinnati Song Initiative. Song Cycle introduces the coolest and awesomest leaders of the song world today and dives into getting to know them and their unique stories, where they think song in the 21st century is headed, and lots of other great topics. If you're looking for your next source of inspiration as you continue on your own musical journey as a song lover, look no further than Song Cycle with me, your host, Sam Martin. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation.